chooses Travis Shaw over anyone who's great. In an Adamazer trade, the other team's getting played. And Ace to Chris is most guys' number threes. Have any of these dudes ever won the podcast league? But they'll be there for you. First of two Fantasy Baseball Today episodes this week. Chris, everyone was mad at me for not doing a show last week. They hate me now. As well they should, <laughs> Adam. Because it was I was raring to go. I was here. I had my little headset on, my microphone, and you just never showed up. Yeah, well, I was sick. I'm sorry, everybody. I did intend to do a show yes, uh, last week. I was sick, like a, sick as a dog. And uh, I'm back now. I'm healthy. And ready to go. So we're doing two episodes this week. We got James Paxson to the Yankees, Robinson Cano to the Mets, Gene Segura to the Phillies. Somebody else on the Mariners will get traded today, I'm sure. And we will talk about all of that tomorrow. Why are we saving that for tomorrow? Scott White will be back tomorrow, and I'm sure he wants to talk about all this good stuff. So today we'll do something that doesn't require Scott White at all. Hey, look at Scott's second base rankings. That'll work. Yeah, we don't need him for that. No, we don't. Let's talk about second base in general. Let's start, though, with an email. Email of the day is from Jesse. It says, hey, dudes, spelled D-O-O-D-S. I'm curious what the conversation will be about openers next season regarding their win potential. And I think really he's asking more like the guy who comes on after the opener. If my understanding is correct about how a win is acquired, any pitcher after the starter that is in the game when their team takes and maintains the lead is rewarded the win. Therefore, if one can identify quality pitchers who are pitching between the second and sixth innings, they have a higher probability to get a win. Uh, a guy that comes to mind is a 15-win Ryan Yarbrough. I wouldn't necessarily draft him, but come spring training, do you think long relievers could be identified as higher win potential players? So I think the once the first pitcher is out of the game, doesn't it just become a judgment call on wins, kind of? Like the official yeah. score sort of determines if the first pitcher was not eligible for the win. Isn't that how it works? Am I completely off base here? No, no. The The official score does have some discretion. Like, it's not like whoever the next pitcher is if they pitch five innings. It's like if the official score determines that they deserve the win. Well, I think, okay, first of all, obviously, you have to pitch. Your team has to have, your team has to take the lead yeah. and keep it. Uh, okay. But let's say this scenario. Let's say an opener pitches the first. Yeah. And then a guy pitches the second, and a team takes the lead. And mm-hmm. then a guy comes in and pitches five innings and keeps that lead. I would guess the third pitcher gets the win. I think but so. But I don't really know. <laughs> I I think so, too. I think the official scorer would give it to the guy who pitched the five innings. Uh, but, I, but I really, like, I... And this is almost certainly only going to affect one team, and it's almost certainly only going to affect one or two guys on that team anyway. You don't so. think it's going to become a little a little more widespread? Maybe a few teams start doing this junk? It's possible. Like, I know the Twins experimented with it late in the season. I, I want to say the Brewers kind of did in the playoffs, but the playoffs are a completely different story. Um, but it's just, right now, we, okay, one team for sure is going to. And so 
it does seem to have helped Ryan Yarbrough. And one thing that it seems to have helped him with is the fact that he pitched in 38 games and he won 16 of them with a 391 ERA. He was decent, but he probably shouldn't have won 16 games. And it's possible that in a different role, he wouldn't have won 16 games. And the other thing to keep in mind is his ERA probably would have been higher than 391 if he hadn't been used as an opener because he's avoiding the best hitters in the lineup at least once. Right. All right. All um, right. So, well, so and, and, and not just, a huge thing uh, here. Yeah, I'll throw out like Jake Faria could have a bounce back season and benefit from that. And one guy that I actually really like a lot with Tampa Bay is Yanni Chirinos, who pitched 89 and two thirds innings, had a 351 ERA last season. But he backed it up with a 351 FIP, gets a lot of ground balls, generates a decent amount of weak contact, has pretty good control. He's going to be a sleeper for me. I, I like his potential to uh, to kind of outperform expectations next year. And the last thing about this is that I don't like this opener thing because if you have any compensation for compensation, yeah, I, no, any reward for quality starts, yeah. that's gone. Quality starts it kills don't exist. in head-to-head points. Um, we are going to talk about second base. We're going to get into the position in general. Who's more legit, Javier Byers or Whit Merrifield? Who's the next star at the position? We'll talk about second base right after this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right, Chris, let's get into it here. we got uh, hopefully some emails at the end of the show, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Jose Altuve had a down year. He was the number 10 second baseman in points, number 7 in Roto. He played only at 137 games. The previous two seasons, he was a top 7 hitter. Back 2016, he was the number three hitter in baseball. How much better do you think Jose Altuve is than the rest of the position? Uh, quite a bit. And I think Jose Altuve is... He's probably going to be someone that I end up drafting a lot next year, especially if I have a pick in the you know, late first round. Uh, if I can get him, if I'm picking like ninth overall and he comes back to me and I can get him like at the 15 or 16 spot, wherever that turns out to be, I'm going to love that. because Did you say the 15 or 16 spot for Jose? That's Altuve? something that I've seen in, in a lot of these early mock drafts is that he's going around 15 overall, if not a little later. He's um, that's ridiculous. He should be arguably like fifth. I agree. Uh, I don't think his skill set diminished much at all last season. You know, there basically he stopped running after the knee injury, mm-hmm. which makes sense. And then he didn't run. I think it was just April. And then in May and, and, and June, he ran like Jose Altuve. And that's the big thing. If he's a, 
if he's a 15 steel guy or a 17 steel guy like he was last season instead of a 30 steel guy he was the the previous six seasons, you're going to have to downgrade him. But he's still the surest bet to hit 300. He's the likeliest player to lead the majors in batting average every single season, and there's no reason to think that changed last year. Um, I don't think we saw much of a drop-off from Jose Altuve in terms of his skills. I think he got a little unlucky, and then he got hurt. Because the next guy in the second-base rankings for Heath and Scott, and these haven't been updated for a few weeks, but, you know, it's, ha- it's Javier Baez. So Yeah, I, I think there's a... There's obvi- if Javier Baez does what he did last year, there's not much of a drop-off at all, obviously. Right. Well, um, that brings us to our second question. Yeah. Who is more legit, Javier Baez or Whit Merrifield? They were your next best. Oh, they were your best second baseman last year. Baez was one, and Merrifield was two, and that might be guys who are only second base eligible going forward. I think there may have been a few players last year who were second base eligible that were better than Merrifield maybe like a Matt Carpenter in points leagues or something. But yeah. either way, based on last year's standings, Baez was the best. Merrifield was second best among players currently eligible at second base. Yeah, and I think you probably have to go with the guy who's done it for two years in a row. Um, it is possible that uh, Javier Baez just, it all clicked. This is a guy with a huge upset, with a huge amount of upside and, Maybe he finally figured it out, and he's just going to be that good forever. But Jose Whit Merrifield proved last year that it wasn't a fluke. Uh, he is a good hitter, even if you know he wasn't quite the power source that he was the year before. The forty-five steals like he might lead. He led the, the majors in, in stolen bases last year. That's hugely valuable. He had twenty-eight steals in sixty-seven games after the All-Star break. And, yeah, he batted 304. We had a feeling the power would come down from 19 home runs in 2017 to 12 in 2018 while playing 13 more games. Uh, But the runs, only 88 runs in a terrible lineup, but still maybe a little unlucky there. 88 runs in 158 games for a guy who hit 304. Seems like he could be a 100-run guy. It is interesting. The what was it? Twenty six steals in sixty seven games. You said twenty eight in sixty seven games. All right, that's pretty good off the top of the dome. Um, Wait, I just said it. Yeah, but I remembered. It. I just said it thirty seconds. Yeah, ago. and then I remembered it. It's very impressive that I was listening. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Ask ask my wife. <laughs> okay. Me listening and recalling information is shocking. Oh gosh, no, Chris. I, Chris posted a picture of him on his wedding day. It was your anniversary, right? <laughs> yes, nine years ago. Who is that guy? Uh, a little baby. You were 14 when you got married. I, it wasn't even I was, legal. I was 11 years old. <laughs> and oh, so funny. It was a beautiful day. Great picture. Yeah, I, I, think I, post, I, I may have posted that on Twitter, but you know. Oh, I hope so. You'd have to sort through like 8,000 posts from last Thursday <laughs> just to get there. Um, What were we talking about? Uh, Oh, uh, Whit Merrifield. Oh, so yeah, him. It, it is interesting when we talk about Jose, uh, Javier Baez being unsustainable, it is probably worth noting that those 28 steals in 67 games is probably not sustainable either, and it's probably not sustainable for the same reason that I've said that I'm not buying um, Adalberto Mondesi's crazy second half. Um, the The Royals probably aren't going to let them run like that next year. You know, I... I Maybe they'll just decide from day one that their games don't matter and they'll just let those guys run as much as they want. But my 
thought is that that was more a result of them being out of it and them not caring if these guys ran themselves into outs. So I, I would say probably 45 steals is closer to the ceiling, but I think what we saw from Javier Baez last year is a lot closer to the ceiling as well. Okay. Next question. Can Ozzy Albies or Glaber Torres become a star in 2019? It is really hard for me to see Glaber Torres becoming an absolute fantasy superstar, and I feel dumb saying that as I pull his page up and see that he hasn't even turned 22 years old yet. He is he still be. about he is about the same It'll age be. as I was when I got married. <laughs> um, but the big thing for me is uh, you have to be so good as a hitter if you don't steal bases. At all. To, yeah. yeah, and he, he stole six in 123 games. His career high was 21 and 26 to, or 22 and 2015. So, you know, you could see him getting to that like 12 to 15 yeah, range over the course so of the That's not so bad, season. actually. That's, it's not terrible. That's not so bad. You know, I think only like 18 guys stole 20 bases or something last year. It, it, there's no stolen bases. So if he does steal 15 bases and hits 280, and hits 28 home runs and drives in 100 and scores. Like, a lot of things have to go right. It's well within uh, the realm of possibility. I wouldn't bet on it. And Albies, man, what a, what a tale of a third of a season and, two, and a two-thirds of a season. I don't even know because, if I'd say that. I think it was like one month. <laughs> yeah, it was like a month and a week, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, here, here are the kinda... stats, Chris. He, he had a 988 OPS in March and April. There were a few games in March. Yeah. And that was something like 29 games. 988 OPS with 293 batting average, nine homers. Last five months of the season, Ozzy Albies had a 705 OPS with a 254 batting average. Yeah, he actually, his 2018 season looks an awful lot like Rugnet Odor's. Um, his, like, big breakout season, very. Very few strikeouts, uh, but also just no walks. He just went up there hacking, became kind of an all-or-nothing power hitter. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's going to go the way of Rugnet Odor, but it's a concern. I, I, I wonder if he picked up some bad habits. But the the skill set is there for him to become an elite player. You know, he if he took an Alex Bregman-like leap, I wouldn't be shocked. Albies struggled against righties. He slugged 412 against righties. He slugged 548 against lefties. And at least with him compared to Odor, at least Albies had that little cameo in 2017. Not not a minor cameo. 57 games where he had uh, 21 walks to 36 strikeouts. You talked about him picking up bad habits. I think Scott has mentioned this before too. It, maybe he just tried to hit a lot of home runs because yeah. – his pop-up rate, I won't say infield fly ball, but his pop-up rate <laughs> went from 1.4% in 2017 to 9.6% in 2018. That really seems like a different approach. Yeah. And, and this was a guy with good plate discipline in the minors. You know, he, you know, I remember last year comparing his minor league numbers to Francisco Lindor's as someone who, you know, walked a decent amount. He was never a huge walk guy, but he walked enough. He was at least average or above average. Uh, didn't strike out, and yeah, I just I wonder if a few extra balls went over the fence in April, and 
he started gunning for it. Sure. I, now, what was I? Well, let me just ask you this: Who would you rather have, Torres or Albies? It's okay. Gosh, don't don't be stressed. I I think I might rather have Torres. I think I I think the hit tool is a little better there. I think he's going to make a little more loud contact, and that'll make up for the lack of strikeouts. And I don't think Albies really has a a huge edge in terms of stolen bases. And obviously, Glaber's in. A better lineup. Yeah, Albies is in a good lineup. Albies has a much more stolen base potential, though. Probably. I mean, you look at his minor league numbers and stole 29 between double, AAA and the majors last year, 30 in 2016. So there's a little more upside there, yeah. All right, let's move on to our next question here. Who is Travis Shaw? Uh, he is a primary third baseman who plays for the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, okay, cool. Thank. I couldn't find it on Google. Go to no. I, it, Travis Shaw is second base eligible, and I just yep. feel like when you look at his batted ball data, sometimes he plays through injuries. One thing or another drags his numbers down a little bit, but I, I'm not quite sure we've seen the absolute best of Travis Shaw. Who in Scott's rankings, Travis Shaw is seventh, and Heath has Travis Shaw fourth. And I think that's you know probably what Heath is thinking too that there's a better player there that we just haven't seen. Yeah, what was the injury for him last year? I know he had like a foot thing early in the season. I don't. Remember. And was it a wrist in the in the second half? Yeah, I don't remember. Um, and he was kind of he was kind of playing all over the place. Uh, you know, 152 games, 587 plate appearances. That's a good sign of a guy who's leaving games early or coming into games late, not playing full games. That can mess with you. Uh, I think we we tend to underrate the value of stability, and he was last season not in a very stable playing time situation in the second half of the season. Um, now, I don't know if that's going to change next year. They are not bringing back Jonathan Scope. They non-tendered him. Um, so, you know, hopefully. I, I think he's good. You know, he, he's got a good eye at the plate. He brought his strikeout rate down last year from a – you know, a, an average rate in 2017 to a pretty good one, especially for a power hitter uh, in 2018. I definitely think there is some un- untapped potential there. Do people um, say the word stinktastic, Chris? I feel like that's something I've heard Dave Richards say. Maybe. It sounds like it. Or maybe type. Travis Shaw was just absolutely stinktastic against lefties last year. He batted 209, he slugged 296, two home runs and 115 at bats against lefties. The year before, he wasn't so bad against lefties, but in 2016, he was pretty stinktastic against lefties. So that is that could hold him back. But uh, sure. he, he hits the ball hard, and at times, he looks like a star. And then he just can never seem to do it over the course of a year. Would you take Travis Shaw ahead of those young guys who are going to be 22 years old next year, Glaber Torres and uh, Ozzy Albies? No, but I don't – I would guess, and I, I don't have any – Hard data, but I would guess Travis Shaw is going to go several rounds behind the likes of Ozzy Albies and Glaber Torres. All right, last question here, and I apologize for the kind of shortened show, but we're doing two this week, so we'll spend about a half hour on each show. Last question I have right now about second baseman. Maybe I'll throw in a bonus question. Do any of these guys have another great season in them? Daniel Murphy, Brian Dozier, D. Gordon, Robinson Cano. Murphy's going to be 34 in April. Dozier's going to be 32 in May. Robinson Cano is 36 years old. And I don't know how old 
D. Gordon is, but I'm going to guess he is 46 years old. D. Gordon. That would be that would make his 2018 season actually very impressive. I'm going to guess he's 31. I would guess he's 30 or 31. Yeah. Uh, um, do any of them have a great season left in them? I am much less optimistic about Brian Dozier than any of the other four. I think Robinson Cano was great last year. Um, he just has to not just stay healthy or not just avoid suspension, but stay healthy because it's worth remembering that I think two days before he was suspended, he broke his hand and was supposed to miss like eight to 10 weeks or something. Um, so it's worth keeping that in mind when we talk about Robinson Cano. It wasn't just a suspension last year. But when he was on the field, he was extremely good. He was actually better when he came back from that suspension. I, I think he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about him. And let's just mention he's getting a park upgrade. You look at his OPS the last two seasons, I believe, yep. much better on the road. The only problem with Cano is that he's a little – well, There's there are several problems. He's been inconsistent. He's 36. Uh, he's Although it's a, worth noting, when we say inconsistent, he's never been bad. No, not like uh, his first year in Seattle or second year, whenever it was. And he had some off-field issues. I thought he was pretty bad, but maybe not. He was, I mean, maybe that was like six years ago. Uh, he's had – his worst OPS has been 779. He hit 287 with 21 homers that year. And 161 combined runs in RBI. He wasn't great, but he definitely wasn't bad. And uh, the other thing I was going to say, okay, so it was actually last year, Cano had an 802 OPS at home and 780 on the road, but I think the two years before that, he was much better on the road. Uh, he doesn't... And, and City Field is a worse park than Safeco, I believe. It's a worse park? I believe so. Come on, really? I think so. It's a better lineup. But I'm well, pretty sure it's a worse part. This is, I think, is going to be terrible for the Mets. Terrible. I know you don't think that. Yeah, we'll, I think it's fine. We'll get into it tomorrow. I'm hoping I can get Robinson Cano at a discount. I have really, in a points league, I agree because his plate discipline's good. Uh, but he doesn't hit enough home runs, and he steals almost no bases. Yeah. So in a roto league, he's not as valuable. You will get some batting average. That's nice. But he's not a category standout by any means. Um. Yeah. I, I. So, who's the most likely to have a big season? Murphy, Gordon, or Cano? Probably Gordon. Um. Just because of the scarcity of stolen bases. So, if we're talking about Roto, the guy who could steal forty bases, or you know, maybe even fifty bases, if he bounces back, it's definitely him. Now, is he going to be an everyday player? I don't know. Maybe not. You. You think so? I mean, they're going to be bad. Who else? So they, got? they won't have an incentive to to bench him necessarily. Um, so I, I would assume and hope that he plays every day. It's amazing how things have changed. In 2017, in points leagues, Murphy, Dozier, and Gordon were all top five second basemen. In roto, Gordon was the number two second baseman. Dozier was third. Murphy's never quite as good in roto as he is in points or categories as he is in points. Because uh, he doubles a lot, gets on base, but uh, he was seventh. Uh, so you know, it's just uh, and I crazy. I don't want to overlook Daniel Murphy. Um, after the All Star break, he came back from the knee injury. The first like month that he was active, he stunk. He could not do anything. He had a six forty three OPS. After that, he hit three fifteen with eleven homers. 
uh, 30 RBI, 34 runs scored in 63 games. If you put that on a 162-game pace, it was 88 runs, 78 RBI, 29 home runs with a 315 batting average and an 844 OPS. He was Daniel Murphy last year. Uh, there's a lot of injury risk. He's old. We're not sure where he's going to be playing. But he didn't – the skills, once he got healthy, seemed to be there. I think that's – is that really – are there any other second basemen you want to talk about? You don't seem convinced on Adalberto Mondesi. I, I, I'm just not going to want to draft him at cost. Is he a second baseman? Actually, I actually don't think he is. He's a shortstop. Shortstop, yeah. So we'll get to him later. Um – I will say I think Scott has DJ LeMahieu ninth, and uh, Heath has him eighth. He's a free agent, right? Yeah, he's. If no he offense. goes anywhere besides Colorado, there is not a there's not a chance that I will draft him. I I would guess he's not going to be a top twenty second baseman. Rupert so, Odor. He bounced back in the second half, right? Um, yeah, yeah, he really it, did. It's an interesting position. I don't know if it's a great position, but you know, it, it's one where if you don't get Altuve, it might be worth just waiting. The 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 gap between number eight and number fifteen may not be that big. Something tells me I'm going to really like Ozzy Albies. I just, I, you know <sighs> how I feel about sophomore slumps. I think he'll, I think he'll bounce back. The sky is the limit. I love the tool set. Um, I think he can be a, an, a, an absolutely like first-round caliber type of hitter um, if he hits his 99th percentile across the board because the, the, the skill set is broad and it's really impressive. Um, it's just I'm really – I'm troubled by what we saw last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. I hope, I hope there's a discount there. Uh, let's read some emails. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com is the email address. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. This is an email from Chris. Subject, James Paxton's new nickname. The Big If. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I, he wrote a parenthesis. I thought it was funny. I, no, it's good. Uh, all right. I is like that it. like the big unit, but he's not healthy? Like, I don't oh, get it. He's tall. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Look, I, he is, I think, one of the 15 best pitchers in baseball on a perning basis, just in terms of the talent level. I hope he stays healthy. I really do, even though oh, it would you be do? good for the Yankees. <laughs> I certainly do. And, yeah, we'll break down that trade tomorrow because his roadie RA, it's not that good. This is John in a city east of the gateway to the west. That I mean... St. Louis is the gateway to the West, I would assume. Yes. All right. Yeah, I don't. Denver. That's West. No, East. East. He said East. East. See what I said about listening? <laughs> um, yeah, he's from Kansas City. That's East of St. Louis, right? <laughs> My I have no idea. <laughs> Just say Fort Lauderdale. Jeez. Uh, okay, John's question. Ten-team head-to-head categories league coming off a championship season. Congratulations. I need help with my keepers. I get five total. I have to keep at least one pitcher. Here are the candidates. He only lists one pitcher. <laughs> he only lists one pitcher, Cindergaard. So I guess we're keeping him. Kansas City is about 300 miles west of St. Louis. Jeez, Chris. Terrible. 
Uh, let's see. So Syndergaard, he's going to keep. I'm going to go try to find his email and make sure I'm not missing some of these pitchers. But I think that's just saying he has a limit of four hitters that he can keep. Okay, fine. Lindor, Goldschmidt, Soto, Yelich, Bellinger, Corey Seager. Pick four. Lindor, Goldschmidt, Soto, Yelich, Bellinger, Seager. I think the only question is Soto versus Bellinger, and I'm going with Soto. Uh, you have enough stolen bases between Lindor, Goldschmidt, and Yelich that you don't necessarily have to prioritize what Bellinger can give you there, and I just think Soto's a better hitter. Now, here's my question. It's a 10-team league. Yep. A lot of good players. A lot of good players. Yeah, on this team. It's a golden age. Are you tempted to take Bellinger over Goldschmidt? Thinking No. Well, you're thinking Goldschmidt, maybe this is the last year where Goldschmidt's better than Bellinger. No. No, I, I get it. But there's such a big gap, I think, between them. And I like Bellinger. Uh, he was someone that I picked as being better next season than this season. Uh, but Goldschmidt is still, you know, he basically had, what, a bad three or four weeks to start last season and then was arguably the best hitter in fantasy. Yeah. Um, and he, we should mention, there's rumors of him going to St. Louis coming out today. So that would be a, a an upgrade in park and lineup. So I think Goldschmidt, he should age pretty well. Um I'm a fan. I, I think he's better okay. than Bellinger for sure. Let's go quickly on these here. Uh, I am late for a meeting. I'm going to get in trouble. Jo- oh, no. Yeah. Josh wants to know, in a 30-team points league, which he won, he's worried about Chris Sale. Are you worried about Chris Sale? And if you explore a trade of Sale, what kind of batter is reasonable to target? Is a guy like Corey Seager not enough for Sale? That's not nearly enough. Uh, if you're getting, If you're trading Chris Sale, you need... Not Mike Trout, but not that far off. Uh, you know, someone in the tier below Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. Um, and, yeah, you're worried about Chris Sale, but you're worried about every single pitcher in baseball. Fair enough. Walter from Detroit. Uh, launching a keeper league for the first time. Do you have any suggestions? How many keepers is the perfect amount? It is a 12-team league with, four, with 24-man rosters. It's head-to-head points. And what's the best way to determine draft order the following years? How many keepers, and how do you determine draft order? How many weeks should the season be to avoid benching toward the end? Uh, I think you make the season shorter. 21 or 22 weeks should be the full season, including playoffs. Um, That gets you basically out of September. And you determine the draft order based on the previous year's standings. I think that's the, the, the obvious way. If you're going to make, if you're going to allow players to keep their good players, you have to give uh, some incent- some reason for the bad team to have faith. Uh, so the worst team gets the best pick, so on and so forth. And if you just want a keeper league and you're not trying to edge into dynasty, I think five is a good amount for, for a 12-team league. Here's one right up your alley, Chris Towers, from Brandon. I'm applying for a research analyst in per- intern position for my favorite baseball team. And I was wondering if you could help me out. I need a few other research sites other than Fangraphs on my application, and I wanted to know what sources you guys typically use to get your info. Baseball Savant is a big one. That's kind of the official uh, repository of all things StatCast, so that's a great place to go. And Baseball Prospectus is still 
uh, one of the leaders in, you know, new stats. They just introduced a really interesting hitting stat that I, I'm looking forward to diving into. So that, that's well worth your subscription price. All right, everybody, I want to thank Chris Towers. I'm sorry to hop off so quickly, but we'll have another one for you tomorrow where we talk about Cano and Paxton and Segura and all the trades that are going down. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. We'll talk to you all tomorrow.